Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 190, The Ghostbusters Case, which is primarily about the case and only a little bit about Ghostbusters. Only a little tiny bit about Ghostbusters. Only a brief few mentions of Ghostbusters. But I was really excited about this episode. I don't get to cover a lot of non-mythology stuff a lot on this show, but I thought this one was creepy and cool and two was a different perspective than we usually have. If you enjoyed our Mothman episode, for example, and all of the first person uh, accounts that Julia was able to draw from, I think you'll enjoy this one as well. The Mothman one, just so sexy, though. So So sexy. Mm. Well, uh, our new patrons, I think, are some wonderful people who I would definitely make overly sexy statues of. Welcome and thank you to Mask in the Rain, Bryn, Elaine, and a fellow Amanda. You join the ranks of our wonderful patrons whose support literally makes it possible for this to be our jobs, including our supporting producer-level patrons Alicia, Deborah, Hannah, Jen, Jessica, Keegan, Landon, Megan Linger, Megan Moon, Molly, Mr. Folk, Neil, Nikki, Phil Fresh, Polly, Sarah, and Skyla. They're all in alphabetical order now. Do you like that? Aww. How pleasant. Thank you. You're welcome. All those M's in a row. Uh, you join as well our newly alphabetical legend-level patrons. Audra, Avonlea, Chelsea, Clara, Donald, Drew, Eden, Francis, Jack Marie, Josie, Lada, Mark, Morgan, Necrofancy, Sarah, and BMEF Scotty, which is uh, alphabetized by the Scotty and not the Bia, which I think is wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate you you liking that. Amanda, what else are you appreciating lately? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Absolutely. Every day I am reading uh, the Anti-Racism Daily Newsletter by Nicole Cardoza, who's the editor-in-chief. And she makes a absolutely wonderful daily email to keep your anti-racism practice not just a thing that you do performatively or on social media, but a thing that you can actually advocate for every single day. So every issue includes an urgent and tactical action you can take to practice anti-racism each day. Sometimes it's signing a petition or making a call, uh, finding out more about a topic, bringing up something. There's like discussion questions to talk about articles and issues with family and friends and insights on the systemic and interpersonal practices that uphold white supremacy and other systems of oppression. So it is clear, it is tangible, and it supports an anti-racism practice that lasts a lifetime and not just a few weeks or months. So you can sign up for the newsletter, which is free at antiracismdaily.com, where there's also a way to make a one-time donation to support the newsletter on Patreon, which I do, and to even sign up for a corporate plan. So if you're working workplace or you have a business and you would like to make this uh, something that all of your employees are working on, as you should, you can get a corporate plan there. That sounds like a great idea. And I'm sure that there's a lot of listeners who maybe could suggest that to their own businesses. I think it's a wonderful idea. And I've genuinely been learning so much. I save everyone. I read everyone. And it's a great way to make sure that, you know, when you post something or retweet something in support, you are pairing that with an action, Mm -hmm. which I really appreciate. Heck yeah. We are also really excited and proud to be donating a quarter of all sales to our Multitude Live show, which is happening online next week, to the Black Lives Matter Global Network. So if you would like to attend this digital variety podcast live happy hour extravaganza, <laughs> you can go to multitude.productions slash digital live. And you can either watch live with us on July 30th at 8pm. Or if you buy a ticket, you will also get a link to watch the video on demand. So after the show, you can stream the replay anytime. So for both the replay link and the live link, go to multitude.productions slash digital live to grab your ticket. 
Yeah, we're doing a very fun spirits flavored game that I think uh, a lot of people are going to find really interesting. And it's a lot of creative world building kind of thing. It's extremely exciting for us. There will be live meddling adults. There will be a presentation on Tony Hawk's Underground. There will be a draft of Pokemon. It's going to be a wonderful time. Mm hmm. Well, Julie, I think you did a great job in this episode. I really loved uh, doing it with you. And I think all of our audience are going to enjoy it as well. So without further ado, enjoy Spirits Podcast Episode 190, The Ghostbusters Case. Nyack, New York, which is about a mile from the heart of New York City. Fuck yeah. Upstate New York. Oh, yeah. Is a relatively small village. If you've ever driven up the Palisades on your way to upstate New York, you've probably passed it. Fuck yeah, man. Palisades. Taconic. Get at me. I love upstate New York. It's just right alongside the Hudson River. And in Nyack, there is a beautiful, large Victorian home. It's bright pink in many of the pictures. And it's on the very end of a dead end that overlooks the Hudson River. And in more ways than one, I bet. Uh-huh. One Levada Place was built in the late 1800s, and it seemed like the perfect house for Helen and George Ackley when they moved into the then vacant home in the 1960s. However, what everyone in the village of Nyack knew, but the Ackleys didn't when they bought the home, was they wouldn't have been the only residents, because everyone in Nyack knew that One Levada Place was absolutely, positively haunted. Oh my. What year is this? 1960s. I mean, what kind of old-timey ghosts do they have in the 60s? Because mm. 1860s ghosts are still pretty fresh at that time, comparatively. Yeah, and it was built in the 1890s, this house, so uh, didn't even have mm. those those uh, Civil War ghosts, supposedly. They, they, were, they were too fresh. Too fresh. So during their more than 20 years living in the house, the Ackleys reported various hauntings. Uh, There's an actual quote from George Ackley who said, One of the ghosts would wake my wife up every morning for school by shaking her bed. When spring break came, my wife made a loud announcement before going to sleep that it was spring break. (laughs) There was no school and she wanted to sleep in. Her bed did not shake the next morning. Okay. While painting the living room, Helen saw one of the ghosts looking in approval of the colors. She always got the feeling that the ghosts liked the renovations they had done on the house. For the record, I also found other sources saying that it was his daughter, Cynthia, rather than his wife who had the whole bed-shaking incident. Uh, But either way, spooky. Listen, I'm not sensing a problem, really. This is kind of a... A Casper the Friendly Ghost type vibe I'm getting so far. Mm -hmm. In other stories, people claimed that Helen had reported seeing two women in hoop dresses and a little man in a Revolutionary War era red coat that would occasionally be seen around the house. There you go. Revolutionary War. That was their Civil War ghost, was Mm -hmm. Revolutionary War ghost. It's upstate New York. I imagine there's not a lot of Civil War ghosts up there. Uh, From driving through upstate New York the other day, some Confederate flags, though. Ooh, not great. Not great upstate New York. So the Ackleys obviously were pretty open about their house's haunting. It was mentioned several times in the local newspaper, you know, because local newspapers don't have a lot to report a lot of times. And it even had a feature in the May 1977 Reader's Digest. Damn, that's really how you know you made it in the 70s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. Helen claimed in a few stories as well that the ghosts would leave gifts for the family. One example was baby rings that would disappear as mysteriously as they would appear. And uh, most notably, or perhaps most incriminating, the house became part of the city's ghost walking tour, which really sealed it as a notorious part of the town's haunted history. Now, I thought when you said gifts that we were going to have a kind of uh, 
cat situation where the gift is like dead rodents or something. No, no. But it sounds like they're just teething rings that your kid like lost down the the cellar stairs or something. It's quite possible. Cellar stairs also notably haunted. Notably haunted. And your baby shouldn't be near there. As I was saying that, I was like, wait, wait, wait. Put a baby (laughs) gate up. Come on. They did have even rudimentary baby safety in the 70s. Mm -hmm. A little side note on the haunted history of Nyack, a former research chemist and ghost investigator, capital G, capital I, Linda Zimmerman believes that it is one of the most haunted villages in New York State. According to Zimmerman, the spiritual upheaval has a lot to do with the forceful and violent displacement of indigenous Native Americans by Dutch and British colonists, as well as military campaigns throughout early colonial American history, and of course, violence against enslaved people in the area. There's just a real a real menu of options. For sure. To quote Zimmerman, quote, A spirit is trapped due to some tragedy or an unresolved issue that is preventing them from letting go or moving on, which is a pretty typical definition of what a haunting is. And apparently Nyack was ripe with it. Fair enough, man. But it was clear that the haunting wasn't all that bothersome to the Ackleys, seeing as they stayed there for over two decades. When they decided to sell their home in 1990, it took a while for the house to actually find a buyer, maybe because most of the locals knew the house's haunted past. But eventually, a buyer was interested and put a deposit down. Jeffrey and Patrice Stambovsky from New York City put $32,500 in escrow, and it was only then that the Ackleys instructed their realtor to inform the Stambovskys that the house was haunted. (laughs) See, this is why uh, New York City people should not just buy homes in the country willy-nilly. You got to get to know the community. You got to visit. You got to, you know, pay your dues, all that kind of stuff. Well, Amanda, according to the realtor whose blog I found, shout out to you, <gasps> Richard Ellis, the buyers still seemed interested. And as he claims, quote, they still wanted to proceed and jokingly said they would call the Ghostbusters in, referring to the popular film of the time. Sure. Sure. You know. But two weeks after the contracts were signed, the buyers claimed to have a change of heart and wanted to back out of the sale. According to some, the Stambovskys weren't convinced of the haunting, but upon finding out that the house was in fact part of the town's haunted walking tour, were kind of convinced that this was something worth taking seriously. And I mean, I'm sure that your house being on a walking tour is also a relevant fact for buying a house. So according to the ruling, which we'll get to in a second, quote, the plaintiff to his horror, discovered that the house he had recently contracted to purchase was widely reputed to be possessed by poltergeists. So a lawsuit occurred. Yes. The Ackleys refused to refund the deposit on the house, and of course the Stambovsky sued. The resulting case Stambovsky versus Ackley would be known as the Ghostbusters ruling. Ooh. I was wondering what this episode title was all about. (laughs) So we'll get into the details of that actual ruling because I think it's really, really interesting. But first, let's get an early refill because this episode is going to be interesting. I'm going to need it. Julia, I know lots of us are dealing with stress and more stress than we maybe have before. And I know that for me, one of the real highlights in the last few months has been working on stuff like this with my therapist and talking about managing stress and managing disappointment and just working on realizing that every little setback is not fatal and that no feeling is final, as I like to say. And I connect with my therapist through BetterHelp, which is a online secure counseling service. It's not a crisis line and it's also not self-help. It is something where you can start communicating with professional counselors in under 48 hours 
ours. They have a broad range of expertise available, which might not be locally available, and they're even more affordable than traditional offline counseling. They are even having to recruit new counselors in all 50 states because so many folks have been taking charge of their own mental health, over a million, in fact, using BetterHelp. There is financial aid available, which is amazing. And to me, best of all, if you, for whatever reason, want to change counselors, BetterHelp makes that really easy and free. And it is absolutely something that you cannot do in traditional counseling um, that is really, really useful. So you can even read testimonials if you want to, to see what other folks have uh, had in their experiences at betterhelp.com slash reviews. But if you are willing to take charge of your mental health and start doing so with BetterHelp today, go to betterhelp.com slash spirits for 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash spirits. Yep, that is 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash spirits. Amanda, you recently made a trip up to upstate New York and also Vermont. And I was just thinking about like, I love Vermont a whole lot because it's just like a very down to earth kind of place. It feels very like renewing and fresh and like earthy in a lot of ways. It does. There's a little waft of cow you get when you come off the ferry from New York State. And then as you proceed on, you're just like, ah, the Vermont patina. So when I was looking to get myself a new CBD provider, I looked no further than Sunsoil, which is a Vermont down-to-earth company who are doing things a little bit differently. Sunsoil makes CBD oil that is USDA certified organic. They grow hemp on their farms in Vermont, and they never use pesticides, herbicides, or GMOs. They keep it super simple. In fact, uh, most of their CBD products have just two simple ingredients. It's just coconut oil and hemp. And it's surprisingly affordable because they farm their own hemp and they stick to simple ingredients. They're able to offer this super high quality CBD for half the price of other brands. I really like the cinnamon flavored CBD drops. I put a little bit in some tea before I go to bed and helps me get through the night. Yeah, I've also really been enjoying their coconut oil CBD, which you can use like any other coconut oil in cooking even. But I put it on my back when I'm having uh, muscle spasms and it's a really helpful way. They have like a spoon so you know exactly what the dose is that you're going to be taking and it's just good stuff. Knowing that something I'm putting in my body is high quality is really important to me. Yeah, and I just really appreciate how they're super transparent with their ingredients. They have just these really simple products and they are trying their best to kind of create a business that has a clean and sustainable environment. So Sunsoil makes pure and simple CBD products at unbeatable prices. You can get 30% off your first order by going to sunsoil.com slash spirits. Again, that's S-U-N-S-O-I-L dot com slash spirits for 30% off your first order sunsoil.com slash spirits. And finally, Julia, we are sponsored this week by Miro. This is a virtual whiteboard that lets teams that are distributed or remote working or telecommuting to use more than just a small piece of paper on a conference table in between you to brainstorm. And when we are doing things remotely with all of the multitude hosts, it is really helpful to have a central space where we can take notes, throw up images, and do a little brainstorming like when we were planning the content for the upcoming live show. And Miro is a wonderful way to do that. They have an infinite canvas, which is perfect for brainstorming, making mock-ups, organizing files, and even managing complex projects. I know for me, looking at a blank space can sometimes be a little bit intimidating, so it is really helpful that they also have templates to help you get started quickly. So whether you are making a podcast, planning an RPG campaign, working, or just talking to collaborators and asking somebody for input on a project that you're working on yourself, Miro is a great way to do that. And to me, best of all, they even integrate with programs you already use, like Google Drive, Dropbox, Jira, 
Jira, Slack, and more. Yeah, over 5 million users worldwide trust them to help their teams more efficiently. I know we do. And it's everything you need to start working better. And you can start collaborating for free when you sign up for an account at Miro.com spirits. That's M-I-R-O.com spirits to sign up for a free account with unlimited team members. M-I-R-O.com spirits. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And now let's get back to the show. So for this episode, Amanda, I've made us a cocktail called a Skeleton Key. It is a St. Germain-based cocktail with ginger beer and a bourbon floater. Because as you know, if you're going to buy a creepy haunted house, you're going to need some liquid courage and of course a mysterious skeleton key to open that door where you swear you saw feet underneath the doorframe. Incredible. I love this. And I was able to make it here in my own home because... Uh, when we were upstate visiting my my grandparents, there is a liquor cabinet um, right when you walk in that is shadowed and dusty mm-hmm. and has liquor in there literally from the 70s. Yes. So I got a sealed bottle of St. Germain mm. that probably dates from the aughts. Um, I don't think it's super old. I Googled, do spirits go bad? And got a lot of uh, results about poltergeists. <laughs> so... You know, so far everything's fine, and I think having some some brandy and uh, Saint Germain from the maybe nineties is okay. Yeah, it's probably fine. I wouldn't worry about it. Listen, worst it's gonna do is get me drunk. I think. On the plus side, there's also plenty of knockoff like elderflower liqueur brands. So if Saint Germain yeah. is a little too pricey for you, you can get one for like half the price. There's also a lot of elderflower like seltzers and stuff now, Ooh. so it's a good way to introduce that flavor if you don't want to commit to a full bottle of spirits. There you go. So, Amanda, the Ghostbusters case first went to the New York Supreme Court, which is confusing because it's actually the lower court of New York. Hmm. Lawyer stuff is weird. Laws are weird. Justice system? Weird. And the New York Supreme Court uh, ruled in Ackley's favor first, uh, citing caveat emptor or buyer beware, which typically refers to, you know, like termites or a leaky basement or a roof that needs repairing, not right ghosts. Yeah, stuff that like you might not see immediately in the inspection or whatever, and then be like, well, you bought it, so you got to deal with it. Yeah. The court argued that the Stambovskis signed a contract with a as-is clause, and Stambovsky obviously was not pleased with the court's decision. So he, of course, appealed to the appellate division, and they eventually sided with him. And here's a quote from their decision. While I agree with the Supreme Court that the real estate broker, as agent of the seller, is under no duty to disclose the potential buyer of the phantasmal reputation of the premises (laughs) and that in his pursuit of legal remedy for fraudulent misrepresentation against the seller, the plaintiff hasn't have a ghost of a chance. I am nevertheless (laughs) moved by the spirit of equity to allow the buyer to seek rescission for the contract of sale and recovery of his down payment. Dang. I I really appreciate this judge or their clerk um, just really having a, a grand old time with this opinion. So uh, to continue what uh, is said, because uh, like this is one of the few decisions that if you have any remote interest in 
lawyers or the law um, or the justice system. Um, or Christine Baranski, <laughs> the, the good wife slash fight. Yeah, like I, I know very little about law, but um, I was able to read this and it's very, very funny. Um, it is ripe with content. So here's an, <laughs> here's more quotes. From the perspective of a person in the position of the plaintiff herein, a very practical problem arises with respect to the discovery of a paranormal phenomenon. Who are you going to call? As the title song <laughs> from the movie Ghostbusters asks. <laughs> Applying the strict rule of caveat emptor to a contract involving a house possessed by poltergeists conjures up visions of a psychic or medium routinely accompanying a structural engineer and the Terminex man on an inspection of every home subject to a contract of sale. It Julia, it's your marriage. <laughs> I'll get to that. It portends that the prudent attorney will establish an escrow account lest the subject of the transaction come back to haunt him and his client, or pray that his malpractice insurance coverage extends to supernatural disasters. Oh, wow. It's so much. It's so much. And Amanda, hold on, because we should talk about this. Because apparently this is a fucking thing. Really? So starting in 2011, there was a show called Paranormal Home Inspectors. It's set in Canada, <gasps> but still, it is a thing that you can watch. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix or Amazon. And in fact, Amanda, the real estate platform Bungalow uh, has, as of October 2019, added a tool that allows you to check the paranormal inspection reports of a house that you're considering buying. Truly incredible. What a world. Uh, so this is specifically for houses in Charlotte, Dallas, and Tampa, though I imagine it will probably extend to more in the future. Uh, the way it Haunted works... Haunted cities, swampy, filled with people unmasked right now. Creepy. Creepy. Very creepy. So the way that it works, and this is a quote from uh, business magazine Fast Company, quote, Before bungalow homes are put on the market, the paranormal investigators will tour the home, checking for any strange or spiritual significance, like unusual electric fields, orbs, and unexplained movements. Did you hear that? Or other things that go bump in the night. After spending time trying to commune with the spiritual realm, each investigator, including Becky Vickers of Beck's Ghost Hunters, will put together, quote, a paranormal inspection report, letting homeowners in this world and the next rest in peace. I am so torn between respecting the hustle and being like, guys, guys, guys. Someone had to write this up as a business project, as like a plan for their business, and then hire people to do this, and then pay those people to do this. Yeah, and like who who would want to invite those folks into a home that you're trying to sell? Because at best, nothing will change, and at worst, your home will be like ghost-listed as potentially haunted. I think, well, they're doing it for all their homes, so I guess like that's good. Like, if you're selling a home through Bungalow, they are going to paranormally investigate your house. And I think, like, the 1991 New York court system didn't expect all of this when they wrote their decision. But it is sure. definitely a thing that people who are particularly superstitious or believe in the paranormal want in their home buying experience. Luckily for me, I have Jake. So if we ever look to buy a potential haunted house, he can check for building code violations and also ghosts. So I'm lucky in that front. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And from a buyer's perspective, I guess, like, I, I understand how how more information is is useful. And if you're looking at lots of homes and one of them is like, it might be haunted, I would also go in a different direction. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I think it's 
It depends, really. You'll see why it depends in a little bit. So, But the point of the case, Amanda, the argument that they end up making is that the house was haunted, quote, as a matter of law, meaning that the Ackleys weren't allowed to claim that the ghosts weren't real because they had spent most of their time living in the house claiming that it was haunted and the ghosts were real. Like, you can't get an article quoting you saying the house is haunted in Reader's Digest And you can't back down from that. You know what I mean? Fascinating. Yeah. It's like perjury. Yeah. And it set the precedent in New York State as well that sellers must inform the purchasers of hauntings. Supposedly, Helen Ackley was not super happy with the decision since they didn't come in her favor. And she was quoted that she was moving to Florida and taking the ghosts with her. Oh, Helen. So shout out to Bungalow. (laughs) And fun fact, Amanda, after the case and the coverage it received, uh, the realtor reported that up to 50 potential buyers called them within a week of the court's decision. Damn, guys, what what do you what do you want? They were all vying to own the the very haunted house, the publicly haunted house. And it's really interesting, too, because this case is often cited in U.S. law classes and in textbooks about contracts and property law. I mean, it's fascinating. How could you not? And I think it's even more significant because from my limited understanding of law, the sort of like burden of proof to overturn a previous court's decision is so high. And the sort of the assumption is that the previous court probably got it right unless someone can really, really prove that they didn't. So the fact that it was overturned is, I don't know, it's it's significant. Well, interestingly, the decision was three to two. Hmm. So it was pretty close. You had had a swing vote there. Someone decided, yes, (laughs) ghosts. So, Amanda, did you know that there's only four states that deal with paranormal activity in their real estate disclosure laws? No, I did not. I would have guessed none. Do you want to take a guess as to which ones? Uh, So New York is one. New York is one. North Carolina, Hawaii, Arizona, Washington. Okay. You got none of them right. Damn. It's New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, and Minnesota. What? What? What's happening here in, in New England and the Mid-Atlantic? Why, guys? Okay, so here's here's the specifics of that. In New Jersey... I thought New Jersey would have been like, fucking whatever, y'all. Well, so in New Jersey, disclosures of hauntings is required, but only if asked specifically by the buyer. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You can't lie. Meanwhile, in Massachusetts and Minnesota, the states list paranormal and supernatural activity as, quote, psychologically affected attributes... Uh, that do not need to be disclosed. So they're taking a strong contradictory stance to New York and New Jersey. Okay. Uh, For Massachusetts, I I get it. I see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for the record, death on the property is a whole different matter. So ghosts are one thing. Death on the property, completely different. Nine states have laws regarding that. California has the disclosure of any death on the property within three years. Alaska has death within one year. South Dakota has uh, to disclose any homicide on the property for the entire, like, history of the house. And meanwhile, Connecticut, Delaware, Georgia, New Hampshire, New Jersey, and South Carolina all have to disclose any death on the property. But again, only if asked. Okay, I mean, that makes sense, too. And I, I guess they're related in that it's a sense of creepiness or a worry about pattern, right? That is like making this relevant to the buyer in in 
you know, in point of fact, it shouldn't matter to me if somebody died in my apartment before I lived there, but it is still something that my hindbrain wants to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you ever buy a house in any of those states, make sure you actually ask about it. And also, hey, Google your address before you buy your house. You never know if it's a haunted murder house or not. Oh, yeah. Jake and I have been watching American Horror Story for the first time, and we started with murder house because it's the first season and the amount of like real estate law that they go into because like i said california only has to disclose death on the property within three years Mm. and like this one has like a history of murder going back to the 1920s and they're like why didn't you tell us and they're like we only have to disclose the last three years bye fun i feel like ryan murphy definitely had first person experience with that in some way oh 100 percent amanda you want to hear want to hear something fun of course as of this recording, the house is still for sale. After nearly a year on the market, it is five bedrooms, five bathrooms for a chunky $1.9 million. That's a lot of money. Hold on. I'm sending guys. you the listing so you can look at it. Okay, Amanda, I have sent you the listing for the house on Zillow. Uh, as you can see, there's a little pool in the backyard overlooking the Hudson River. There's even a bedroom that's been converted into a studio. So in case we ever want to take the leap and make a multitude house instead of just a studio, we could absolutely do that for a nice yeah. $1.9 million. And also it's haunted. I'm going to read the description for our listeners while you look at the photos. Okay. Okay. Hudson Riverfront, Queen Anne, circa 1890. Location for one of the Edward Hopper's paintings. This perfectly oh. restored... I know, right? This perfectly restored classic is located in one of Nyack's prettiest tree-lined dead-end streets. Previously home to the award-winning film director Adam Brooks, indie singer-slash-songwriter Ingrid Michaelson, and now what? the home yeah, and now the home of the singer-rapper Mattis Yahoo. The beautiful space and soft river light form a perfect sanctuary to nurture the creative spirit. River views from almost every room foster an unparalleled connection to the river in this spacious yet intimate home. Fully renovated home complements the style and was crafted by a top builder. The spa-like master bath features a handcrafted copper soaking tub. An in-ground saltwater spa pool overlooks the river. The two-car garage was recently built and has space for a workshop. Period details include arched doorways, stained glass, exposed brick, original mantles, inlaid hardwood floors, and a wide wraparound porch. Riparian writes, walk to Village of Nyack. Or run. <laughs> so yeah, no mention of ghosts. I'm sure they'll save that for the contract negotiations because I certainly don't want a repeat of the Ghostbusters case. Uh, I also want to want to tell you that there is a dock leading onto the river, there which is. seems like just an opportunity for some kind of marine haunting. Mm -hmm. And secondly, it's next door to Tall Man Place. Mm, spooky. I'm sure it's pronounced Tallman, but don't like that. Nope, don't like it. Makes me think of Slender Man. Yep, me too. So Amanda, you know, what do you think of the house? You think it's good? You think we could uh, move it now? Listen, it's beautiful. I It's very Nancy Myers vibes. Mm -hmm. The pool is amazing. Lots of like blue tile and accents, but there are frankly far too many windows for a house where I will be thinking of hauntings every day. That is absolutely fair. I guess I want to kind of end this episode with your thoughts on purchasing a haunted house. Yeah. Would you? <sighs> I'm going to preface this too with, I think two days ago, I sent Amanda a listing for a house that is actually quite close to the fictional Lake Town City that we have in Join the Party. And it was a beautiful mansion for like $50,000. And you were like, oh my God, it's beautiful. It's great. And then you paused. And then the next message you sent me is, 
Why does the listing say no one can go inside? Yeah, the listing said twice, no one is allowed inside, must buy as is. You're like, oh, oh, haunted. 100% haunted. Extremely haunted. And the photos were also um, date stamped, like at the bottom right. Like this was a 90s, you know, uh, like Canon film camera, which just strikes me as haunted. Like they just strike me as like crime scene photos every time I see a date stamp on a photo. Yep, yep. It has been on the market for a while. The pictures that are featured in the listing were taken in January of this year. And there's still like tinsel around the certain doorways and stuff. It's very creepy. Yeah, I just, I don't want to invite trouble, I think. Okay. And that's why I am a little bit sympathetic to people who would want to check it in like a, a haunted listing or a haunted filter because it just feels like there are so many things that could go wrong with a house that I don't need to get my thrills that way. And part of me is sort of like, is your life that easy that you want to live in a haunted house and like you need some excitement or whatever? But at the same time, it sounds like the Ackleys had a lovely time with this haunting and like had a walking tour and got to know people and had a little notoriety and like probably framed their Reader's Digest photo at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seems just charming and fine. This is a conversation that Jake and I have had a lot Not surprising anyone. Not surprising anyone. Mostly because every time I find a picture of like an old, probably haunted house and I show it to him and be like, hey, for like $75,000, we could move to upstate New York and have this beautiful mansion or this place in uh, Pennsylvania that is like equidistant between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia (laughs) and no one would ever go there. Um, And we could just live the life. There are good flea markets out there. though. There are. There are. They got the beautiful Amish country as well. It's, It's not a bad area. I'm not saying that it's just that i wouldn't be close to anything but every time i show him pictures he just looks at it he's like it's probably haunted though and i was like would that be the worst thing in the world i mean like if the ackleys could have this great relationship with their ghosts would it be so terrible for us to have a good relationship with our ghosts and he's like you don't want that i'm telling you right now you don't want that also it doesn't look move-in ready it's going to require so many renovations i'm just like but but just picture it. I'm I'm the typical white woman at the beginning of a haunted house movie. I'm just like, it's got so much character. Look at those chandeliers. There's beautiful fireplaces in every room. Look at the exposed brick. And my husband is like, nope, we're going to die in here. The ghosts are going to kill us. Yeah. And then like you move in anyway because he wants to make you happy. He goes to work. He's like, set the alarm. And you're like, yes, honey, like scrolling on Instagram. And then, you know, the events in the movie take place. Yep, yep. Uh, my husband becomes a traveling salesman and leaves me alone in the, ha- the haunted house for two weeks. Um, and then I he comes back and I'm dead. <laughs> you know, the usual. I know. But at the same time, my like, we'll never own a house millennial capitalist brain is like, well, maybe other people aren't buying it because it is haunted. And I can just like tough it out and put mind over matter and, and get a house. Exactly, that would be nice. Exactly. What if you stumbled across a house that was like under $100,000 and still had like Tiffany stained glass windows? And who cares if there are ghosts in there? That's beautiful. I want it. I feel like I could not say no. Exactly, <laughs> you know right? That's what I'm saying. I know. I just, I'm, I'm with you. I, I feel like... So I like the Ghostbusters case because it is like... It's not really saying like, yes, ghosts are real. It's more like, hey, if you tell something about your property and you keep saying it you can't walk that back just because you want to sell it which is like good for real estate law but i i do like the idea that the law says hey you said ghosts are real so legally (laughs) this house is haunted it's very cool it's it's extremely good 
And I think there is also a kind of bigger sense of um, like a longing for permanence or a longing for um, like a relationship with the place around you. For lots of us who have, you know, always only rented a home or moved around a lot or, you know, like me, like my parents, you know, got divorced and sold the house I grew up in. And there is not like a place for me to return to. And so the sense that, you know, you could have a relationship with your home and your home could have a relationship with you is something I think that is like charming and desirable to a certain extent um, in the way that like my apartment has, you know, like the creaky floorboard or like the the cabinet door that is like a little wonky. And it's sort of like, oh, charming. That's mine. I know it. You know, like I've I've been here long enough that I have a relationship with the place um, and I, I know it's like foibles and a haunting is, yes, chaotic, but it's also, I think, a, a, an instantiation of that. It's part of the charm. It is part of the charm. And, you know, especially if you if you don't have the resources or the, you know, hope, I guess, of buying a house one day, the idea that you live somewhere long enough that it it forms a relationship with and an opinion about you. I don't know. That's sort of there's something like alluring about it. Yeah. And I mean, that was part of the Ackley's experience. Like Mrs. Ackley talks about how they repainted the color of the walls and she saw a ghost who like nodded approvingly at their color choice. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Yeah. That's something of the past is endorsing you or accepts you. Yeah. And my parents are currently going through the process of selling their house, which was like a whirlwind experience. They put it on the market and sold like within three days, which is wild. I really do like the idea of living in a world where my husband is a building inspector and also a paranormal inspector. Like he comes into the house and be like, well, you know, uh, everything looks okay. The uh, the man in the chains that appears at midnight every <laughs> night. Um, I don't think it'll be too much of a problem as long as you just, you know, give him his space. And uh, yeah, definitely, definitely check to see when the next time you need to replace those roof tiles are. Yeah. And like if, if you get a sense of chills, either... There is a mild haunting or you got to fix your electrical currents. Either way, Jay's got your back. I just like the idea of a department of paranormal buildings in every state that you have to like pass an inspector's test for. Like, I love that. That's adorable. Oh, yeah. And there's like there's forms. There's recertifications. There's like hold music on the phone. Just a lot of lot of ripe opportunities here. Yeah. And like the hold music for that line is always like just an instrumental version of the Ghostbusters theme. (laughs) Yes, that'd be very good. It's very good. I like it. I like it a lot. But yeah, so I think that the Ghostbusters case is super fascinating. I think the haunting of one La Vida place in Nyack is like not super interesting, but the precedent of it is super interesting. And I think that... Um, next time I start looking at houses, I'm going to double check to make sure they, uh, they are not haunted or murder houses. Absolutely. And, uh, conspirators, if you have bought or sold a house that had some kind of dealing with a murder or a ghost, we would love to hear about it. Write us at spiritspodcast.com and just put, uh, murder real estate or ghost real estate in your subject line. I like that a lot. Yes, that would be excellent. I want to read all of those. Maybe we'll do like a grab bag episode of just everyone's ghost real estate law experiences. Yeah, we do have a little bit of a, a tasting ghosts roundup uh, coming up on a, a Urban Legends episode. So listen, you guys deliver. We yes. did a whole thing about haunted Italian food, haunted spaghetti. This is our new, this is our new spaghetti. It's our new flavor. Got to change it up every year or so. I was very tempted on Mike to call the real estate agent for this house and ask, uh, ask about the current presentation of its haunting. So that just seems unfair to Becky. Amanda, do it. Amanda, do it. Do it on mic. You will now be connected to this premier agent on a call recorded for quality purposes. Me too, bitches. 
All right, folks, I talked to the real estate agent. Uh, she was very sweet and uh, did not want to be recorded, um, but said that there had been three owners uh, since the original people and uh, no one had reported anything. Don't know if that's true. Yeah. But uh, she said that the house had been loved, which is clear. Yes, that it is beautiful. The original owners loved the house. People have loved it since. And, um, you know, if you have $2 million to drop, yeah, go for it. She was also very suspicious about why you were calling, which is great. Oh, yeah. She asked if I wanted to buy it. If I was writing a story... Or if I was trying to buy a house and I was like, I am not writing a story. <laughs> Technically not so, writing a story. No, uh, but uh, that was that was a fun little first person exercise. Yeah, there we go. Thank you for calling because I would have had no nerve to do it whatsoever. Oh, no, it was it was nice. It was nice to, to hear someone say this call will be recorded. And I'm like, me too. Me too. Well, Amanda, I think that is all we can do for One Levada Place today. But um, I just want to remind our listeners that, you know, you can buy a haunted house at any time if that's your flavor. Just remember, stay creepy. Stay cool. Thanks again to our sponsors at betterhelp.com slash spirits. You'll get 10% off your first month of secure online counseling at sunsoil.com slash spirits. You'll get 30% off your first order of pure and simple CBD products. And at Nero.com slash spirits, you can sign up for a free account of this online whiteboard with unlimited team members. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.